You are listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect. Amen. Well, tomorrow is Remembrance Day and we definitely encourage you to take part in a Remembrance Day ceremony. Um, our big one in Cold Lake is at the Cold Lake Energy Center, and uh, we try to make it when we can. I know last year, it's always difficult with little kiddos. Last year, Everett wasn't happy for a good chunk of it, but um, it's a good opportunity to get together as a community and to, um, to honor our, our veterans and those who serve in uniform. You know, it's, it's a day that as a nation and as much of the world sets apart to honor the, the bravery of men and women who fought to defend our nation in our conflicts of the fast. But we also want to recognize those who are serving in the Canadian Armed Forces today. You know, originally Remembrance Day was, was called Armistice Day and was recognized the Armistice Agreement that ended the First World War which was on Monday, November 11th of 1918. Four years of bitter fighting had finally come to an end, and what was known as the Great War was finally over. The armistice was signed at 5 a.m. on a railway carriage in the forest of Campagne, France, in November 11th, 1918. The first armistice day was celebrated the very next year in 1919. We'll remember that last year was a hundred year anniversary of Armistice Day, of since we've been celebrating it. You know, in a letter published in the London Evening News on the eighth of May, nineteen nineteen, an Australian journalist, Edward George Honey, proposed a respectful silence to remember those who were given who had given their lives in the First World War. This was brought to the attention of King George V, and on the seventh of November, nineteen nineteen the king issued a proclamation which called for a two-minute silence. He declared to the entire British Commonwealth that all locomotion should cease, so that in perfect stillness the thoughts of every man and woman may be concentrated on reverent remembrance of the glorious dead. After the Second World War in 1945, Armistice Day became known as Remembrance Day to include all those who had fallen in both wars and future conflicts that would arise. Since 1919, on the second Sunday of November, two minutes of silence has been observed at 11 a.m. during memorial services throughout the country and throughout the world. November 11th continues to be our annual memorial in remembrance of those who've given their lives for the freedom of our nation and the next generation. You know, before we go any further today, I'd just like to ask Anyone who is a veteran who served in the past um, that's not currently in active duty to stand, or I guess not currently in uniform, but is a retired military member to stand. Thank you. Yeah, let's give them a round of applause. Thank you. And don't keep standing. Stay standing, please. And then I'm going to ask anybody who's currently in the armed forces who's serving in our military to stand Stand with them now as well. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. We want to honor all of you this morning. And I'm just going to ask Pastor Hayward to come up now. 
And uh, he's just going to say a word of prayer over all of you, those who have served, those who are serving. And um, maybe there's some in here that are going to serve um, in that capacity. Let's all pray together. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you, Lord, for our service men and women. Lord, who valiantly have fought. Lord, and uh, Lord, are being deployed. We think of those that are already deployed right now and some from, from this church. And Lord, we just ask your hand of protection on each one. We pray your comfort for them as well. And Lord, we know, Lord, that many of them are overworked overseas right now. And we pray, Father, that you will just give them relief there and help them to know, Lord, that their church families back here in Canada are praying for them and believing for them to come back to us, Lord, whole. Father, we pray for those, Lord, that have, Lord, have been involved in overseas, Lord, and Iraq and Afghanistan and all of those places, Lord, and come back, Lord, uh, damaged in their health, oh God. And Father, I just pray for them today. I pray, Lord, for those that have a, a faith in you, Lord, and you are seeing them through. And Father, they don't know where they would be or what they would be like if they didn't have you to lean upon. I pray for others, Lord, who do not know you in that intimate way. But Father, I pray, Lord, that uh, their friends and their neighbors, somebody, Lord, that is close to them that they respect, Lord, would be able to speak peace and the love of Jesus into their lives. Father, we pray, Lord, for those who have lost loved ones, and we ask, oh God, that you would comfort those families, Lord. Lord, that uh, during this time, Lord, it is almost, Lord, as the wound is opened up again, Lord, as they remember. But, Lord, we never want to forget the sacrifice that has been made. And so, Father, we pray your choicest blessing upon our military. Those that are with us today, we ask, Lord, that you will meet every need in their lives, body, soul, and spirit. And we want to thank you, Lord, for the privilege of having them as a part of our congregation. And we pray, Lord, that you will bless them, bless their families, O God. Bless them physically, bless them spiritually, and bless them financially. In every way, let the blessings of the Lord that makes one rich and adds no sorrow to it would be their portion. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. There's no greater symbol that reminds us of the sacrifice that so many Canadians have made than the poppy. You know, we wear it proudly to honor those who've gone before us. And uh, we wear these poppies that are distributed by the Canadian Legion. You know, last year, uh, before Remembrance Day, I read an article that said that the poppy pot had been known, has been known to remain dormant in the ground for upwards of 100 years but when the conditions are made right, they can take root and prosper. You know, during the years between 1914 and 1918, the top toils of Europe were really just completely disturbed by bombs, by explosions, by the digging of trenches, by the movement of military vehicles, 
by the digging of graves. But one thing that it did do is it created the right conditions for poppies to grow free visually. And the poppy is a famous token that symbolizes peace and freedom brought about by the sacrifice, the dedication, and selfless acts of bravery of thousands of men and women over the last 104 years. You know, in Flanders Field, written by Lieutenant Colonel John McRae, is probably the world's, at least the Canadians would know, as the most memorable war memorial poem that we say almost every year at our Memorial Day ceremony. And um, I just wanted to uh, read that here this morning. Um, to recognize it. Many of you will hear it again tomorrow, but I thought I'd read it today. It says this. In Flanders fields, the poppies blow between the crosses row on row that mark our place and in the sky the larks still bravely singing fly scarce here amid the guns below. We are the dead short days ago. We lived, felt dawn, saw sunset glow. Loved and were loved, and now we lie in Flanders' fields. Take up our quarrel with the foe. To you, from failing hands we throw. The torch be yours to hold it high. If ye break faith with us who die, we shall not sleep, though poppies grow in Flanders' fields. Tomorrow morning, millions all over the world will remember the great cost of freedom, the cost that was paid 100 years ago, less than 100 years ago, specifically in our, in our great wars. You know, over 61,000 Canadians lost their lives in World War I. 61,000 Canadians died in a foreign land that wasn't the land that they currently lived in. You know, during World War II, from 1939 to 41, more than 1.1 million Canadians served in the Canadian Army, Royal Canadian Navy, the Air Force, and in forces across the Commonwealth. And more than 45,000 Canadians' lives were lost with more than 54,000 wounded. And those numbers are really hard to peg down. There's some, sometimes some different notes different numbers, but those are rounded estimates from Veterans Canada. There was an article from 2015 written by Jesse Ferreras that highlighted some contributions, unique contributions that Canadians made in the World Wars. And uh, some of these I shared last year, some of them I've added, but they're all memorable and I wanted to share them again with you today. Leo Major is a man said to be as close to a Canadian Rambo as any man has come. The Montreal-born soldier, partially blinded in one eye following D-Day, is credited with capturing 100 German soldiers on his own during a 1944 battle of Scheldt in the Netherlands. But that's not all. He's also known for liberating an entire city by himself. I want to know, why was this guy always by himself? You, you know how there's always... The, you, Anyone who has kids, there's always one kid that seems to wander off and you're always wondering where he went to the grocery store. I feel like Leo may have been that kid. But um, so here he is all by himself in 1945. He made an incursion into the Dutch city of Zwolle, tricking a German into believing that they were completely surrounded by Canadian troops when in fact they were quite far behind him. It's believed that the strength of the Canadians then got greatly exaggerated even further 
on the German side. He began to take out his guns, his gun, and would shoot and, and pretend as though that there was fighting going on around him as nightfall came, causing many Germans to abandon their posts and retreat. I do imagine, like, I just don't understand how things like that happen, but, you know, some people are just brave. Like, to go into a town, you're mostly by yourself. I don't know how he got ahead of everyone else, and, uh, but here's another guy, Billy Bishop, was his name. He was known as Ace Flyboy Billy Bishop, and he was Canada's most successful pilot, fighter pilot in the First World War. You know, he's been credited with 72 victories, most notably being in a flight in enemy territory to attack the German Aerodome. You know, legend has it that he brought down three enemy planes, threw under four more before returning back to base, and King George V awarded him Britain's most prestigious Victoria Cross that's only been awarded 1,358 times since it was introduced in 1856 following the Crimean War. Tommy Prince was a very interesting man. He was uh, from Manitoba's broken head Ojibwe nation, and he stands tall among Canada's indigenous war heroes. You know, he was brave and determined, and those words don't even begin to describe his exploits on the battlefield. You know, while fighting in Italy in 1944, he disguised himself as a farmer and managed to restore broken telecommunication lines with German soldiers nearby. Later that year, he ventured behind enemy lines on foot and helped capture a thousand soldiers. He was awarded the Silver Star and the Military Medal for his efforts. What's interesting is the Silver Star was an American medal that only 59 members of the military that were outside of the American um, armed forces have ever received. So one of 59. And uh, he went on to, uh, to fight more battles, as I've been told. And... Um, um, yeah, great man. This is an interesting story, one that I just learned about this year. Um, it's called Force 136 Chinese-Canadian War Heroes. And you know, when many of us think about uh, the Great Wars, we often think about Vimy Ridge or the Normandy invasion, the Battle of Britain. But there are many stories of Canadian contributions that sometimes don't get um, publicized until years later. And uh, this is one of those stories that you may have never read in a history book or, or learned about in a history class. And um, this was a story about 150 men from Vancouver's Chinatown. And uh, many of the Chinese that came to Canada in those early years came helping us to build the railroad. And uh, many settled in Vancouver area after the railroad was completed in 1885. And Chinatown was a well-established bustling community in these years uh, leading up to the war. In fact, it was actually a bustling community before the incorporation of Vancouver, before it was even a city. Um, in 1941, you know, Japan, as many of you will know, joins the war. He, they bombed Pearl Harbor, and within a few short hours, they began to invade the British colony of Hong Kong. In response, the British recruited 150 Chinese Canadians to be airdropped behind Japanese lines in jungles of Southeast Asia. And they were there to support the local resistance units. Um, this was a, a treacherous, treacherous job. Um, many of these men did not expect to return home. Um, they had very little backup 
as they didn't have many resources in the region at the time, as they were battling in, in Europe, they were trying to hold down the fort in Hong Kong, the British Empire was, and not lose it entirely. And so these men would help disrupt Japanese um, transports by blowing up railway lines, destroying communications. Um, but it was also understood that if the Japanese were to catch them, that they would not be treated as prisoners of war, but would likely be considered spies and be killed or tortured. And uh, most of them were given cyanide pills in case they were even caught, um, because the alternative was far worse. Um, in 1945, the Americans dropped two atomic bombs on Hiroshima and the Nagasaki, and the surrender of Japan followed, and, and many of these men uh, that survived did return home. And um, in total, there were 600 uh, Chinese Canadians that served um, in World War II, and 150 of them um, were part of this special mission. Um, you know, for whatever reason, um, their contribution was really not publicized for many years and uh, until after the war. Um, but interestingly enough, one of the gentlemen, I think he's in this picture, um, became the first Chinese-Canadian to be elected as a member of parliament uh, for Vancouver in 1947. So, or no, 1957 rather, sorry, 10 years, almost 10 years after. Um, Margaret MacDonald. Now, when the First World War broke out in 1914, Margaret MacDonald um, was a nurse, and she became the matron-in-chief of the Canadian Army Medical Corps. And she was actually the first woman to receive a major's rank in the British Empire. It was her job to marshal and train civilian nurses for the battlefields, and she oversaw 2,845 Canadian nurses by the end of the war and they continued to serve uh, soldiers that were injured up until the early 1920s. Um, with that, I'm gonna invite uh, Jim Skinner uh, to come up and, and, and share a little bit about my wife's grandfather, who uh, was involved in, in World War II, and I guess he's the historian of the family. He's my wife's uncle, if you didn't know. By choice. <laughs> My name is Jim Skinner. I served uh, 28, 26 years in the Armed Forces and then retired in 1983. This is all about Ken Nelson, ordinary man, no hero. Joined the Army in 1941, 26 years old, farmer, born in Pinoca, Alberta. Trained in Calgary in 1943 and then was shipped to England to prepare for the Normandy invasion. Landed on D-Day, made it to Kane. Kane was a major Canadian battle, which uh, the first British infantry and the Canadians together under Montgomery, General Montgomery, were supposed to take in one week. It took them over a month, and 22,000 British Canadian soldiers were killed in that battle. Ken told me uh, he was wounded in Kane. Uh, the, uh, the Germans would fire the 88, 88s in artillery anti-aircraft uh, gun, and they would shoot it to the street, and the shell would explode into shrapnel. And Ken got it all up his back of both his legs. Um, of course, that ended his career in the Army. They shipped him to England. I think he spent seven months in the hospital. He never recovered from it. Uh, he went farming in 1945, had to quit in 1950 because his legs, the sharpnel, he 
was still in his legs. He came up here for a job and got onto the base and had to retire early because Sharpnell again was bothering his legs. I'd like to tell you a few things about him. He was a real gentleman, quiet, but he was a family man. Uh, very, very family. And when he died uh, in 1986, he died with his family around him, which he would have enjoyed. I like. I thank you for listening to me. I'll give it over to Mark. Thank you, Jim. <clears throat> awesome. Thank you, Jim. And there's so many stories. I'm sure many of you have stories of, of family members, maybe parents, grandparents, um, that served. Um, there's so many amazing stories of people's sacrifices. A queen of the hurricanes. I like this story. Elsie McGill, um, this article said, was a child of first. Her grandmother fought in the woman's right to vote, while her mother sat as the first female judge in British Columbia's courts. Um, this was a family of trailblazers for the women. Um, Elsie McGill would become the University of Toronto's first female electrical engineering graduate and later became a successful businesswoman and entrepreneur, leading in the construction of the Hawker Hurricane fighter planes for the Allies during the Second World War. This woman oversaw a workforce of 4,500 women and men, and she turned the Canadian car and foundry company called Can Car from a boxcar factory into the producer of hurricane fighters, turning out three to four hurricane fighters per week. By the end of the war, it turned out that one out of every 10 planes constructed um, of this type was manufactured by her. And uh, she was dubbed the queen of the hurricanes and someone even made her a comic book um, that came out after the war um, because of how influential she was. And, um, you know, women made so many contributions during the war. There were many women that um, took up extra work on the farm, maybe that they had never done before. There were women that had never officially been in the workforce in certain capacities that were now, you know, building bombs and uh, making equipment and uniforms to be sent overseas. Um, they were working in machine factories and tank factories and... And, um, you know, the world wars really were uh, a change in, in the way that we think about women's role in the workplace. And, and um, you know, even in the worst situations, sometimes there's good outcomes that come out of, out of such horrendous things. Another story is Lieutenant Charles Smith Rutherford. And um, I'm just going to read a little excerpt from the London Gazette from the 12th of November, 1918, that speaks about him. It says, for most conspicuous bravery, initiative, and devotion to duty, when in command of an assaulting party, Lieutenant Rutherford found himself a considerable distance ahead of his men, and at the same moment observed a fully armed strong enemy party outside of a pillbox ahead of him. A pillbox was a concrete dug-in guard post. Um, he was beckoned over um, with, a, with a revolver to come over to the pillbox, he then motioned over to them to come out of their pillbox, in which eventually he came in and, and, and met them at the pillbox. He boldly declared that they were surrounded and they were now his prisoners. 
The fact, in fact, the enemy, enemy officer disputed him and invited him to come into the pillbox, but the invitation was discreetly declined. By a masterful bluff, however, he persuaded the enemy that they were surrounded indeed, and the whole party of 45 men, including two officers and three machine gunners, surrendered to him. Subsequently, he, in, he induced the enemy officer to stop the fire of an enemy machine gun close by. Oh, there they go. Happy New Year's, everyone. Rutherford took advantage of this opportunity to hasten the advance of his men to his support. Lieutenant Rutherford then observed that the right assaulting party was held up by heavy machine gun fire from another pillbox, indicating the objective to his men that the remainder of his party were to attack that pillbox with the Lewis gun section and capture a further 35 prisoners with machine guns, enabling that party to continue their advance. The bold and gallant action of this officer contributed very materially to the capture of those main objectives and was a wonderful inspiration to all ranks, pressing home the attack with a new very strong position. There are thousands of stories, you know, that come to us of the courageous actions and Canadians made an outstanding contribution to both the First and the Second World Wars. And um, I've never been to the Vimy Ridge Memorial site over in Europe, but I'm hoping one day I will. I know a few years ago they, they restored the Vimy Ridge uh, Memorial, making it look almost brand new. And so it would be, be a great thing to see. You know, some people say Vimy Ridge was, was a, a moment that kind of solidified Canada as a nation. Um, but a very important piece of Canadian history indeed. You know, it's said that freedom is never free. Every conflict that Canada has ever fought, every peace mission that Canadians have participated in, has left scars, a loss of life, grieving widows and children who are left at home to bear the consequences of war. The men and women who come home bear the consequences emotionally and mentally and physically of war. With increased instability in our world, the need for men and women to serve our country in uniform is in hugely, hugely important. And so we just want to honor those that are currently serving as well today. You know, this morning I encourage us not to take our freedom for granted, but to remember the contributions of those that came before us, allowing us to be great beneficiaries of the country that we now call Canada. And this morning, we want to thank every man and woman who died in service to our country, and all those who have been injured mentally, physically, and emotionally while preserving freedom. You know, today we also want to acknowledge those who are serving and the three individuals that I know of that are serving right now on a NATO deployment over in Europe. We think about them this morning as well. You know, just as physical and political freedom has a high cost to maintain, Spiritual freedom had a high cost. It was attained for us by Christ. You know, freedom is not free. Someone had to give their life so that we could have the life that we now live. You know, in the case of our spiritual freedom as Christians, the life that was given was the Son of God, was Jesus, his body beaten but not broken, 
hung up on a cross, dying a horrific death, so that we could be made free from the powers of, of sin and death, from hell, from eternal separation from God, and from the power of sin over our lives today. You know, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three to 26 are extremely well-known verses. And I'm sure many of you that attend Coley Community Church probably almost know them off by heart because we quote them every single time we do communion. And, um, you know, we do communion once a month at the beginning of every month. And there are six words in particular that stand out to me in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three to 26. Especially as, it, um, as we reflect on Remembrance Day. And that's these words. Um, Do this in remembrance of me. The Lord Jesus took bread and gave thanks for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You know, initially it was, it's kind of alarming to think that Jesus is talking to his disciples and he might be worried that they might forget about the sacrifice that he's about to make. You know, isn't it human nature, though, for us to be forgetful? How many lost your keys on your way to church this morning? No. Um, you know, we are forgetful people. And, you know, many of us will, will miss appointments. We'll forget about birthdays and wedding anniversaries. Men, do not forget either of those. But we are constantly, current, continually trying to fight um, to remember our own history and the lives of those who died so that we could have and live in such a prosperous nation such as Canada. And may we never forget the meaning behind Remembrance Day, nor fail to ensure that the next generation understands the importance of the sacrifices that were made in the past. You know, sadly, many of us, even as Christians sometimes, forget or don't always acknowledge what God has done for us. And we forget in moments. And we get led astray at times. You know, we forget what God has truly done for us and how that we are a free people. And the more that we grow to understand this, the more that it sinks into our heart and our mind, it becomes of who, who we are, the more that we'll be filled with gratitude, the more we'll be filled with the fruits of the Spirit, the more that that we will fail to forget less often the great sacrifice that Christ made and how we are free people. The night that Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper was not just any night, but it was during the celebration of Passover, which was a feast that was um, <clears throat> celebrated by the Jews. And it was an Old Testament symbolic remembrance of God's deliverance of his people out of bondage in Egypt. And the people of Israel were enslaved for 600 years when Moses was sent back to the people of Israel to deliver them. Excuse me. I need a drink of water. You know, the story that we read about in Exodus of Moses delivering the people of Israel. You know, it's a foreshadowing of God's redemptive plan of what he was going to do through Christ, of how he was going to redeem humanity. You know, Moses could be seen as a picture or representation 
of Christ. You know, Moses' name actually means drawn out of the water. You know, Jesus was conceived of the Holy Spirit, and water is often used to symbolize the Holy Spirit. <coughs> Excuse me. Those tickle. Literally, I know when they say a frog, I think I got a toad. So water is often used to symbolize the Holy Spirit in Scripture. You know, for example, Jesus' words recorded in John seven thirty-seven to thirty to forty say, "If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the Scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water." But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. Moses is the deliverer in this story, sent by God to deliver people out of slavery. Pharaoh represents the enemy, Egypt the world, yet God sent to deliver into the world to redeem them. And how were the people of Israel set free? Well, we read about this in Exodus. God brought a series of plagues on Egypt. And then in chapter 12, the Bible says that each family was to take a lamb and they were to sacrifice the lamb at the front door of their homes, and they were to catch the blood and take a hyssop, which was a bush, dip it in the blood, and apply it to the lintel, the top of the doorframe, and the sides of the doorframe. You know, it doesn't really take too much imagination, really, when you think about it. It's almost like a cross, but it's kind of. But um, going to read now from Exodus 12, 13. You can read a bit of it up there on the screen as well. It says, the blood that you smear on your doorpost will serve as a sign. When you see the blood, I will pass over you. This plague of death will not touch you. You know, judgment fell on Egypt on this night, and a spirit of death passed over the land of Egypt, killing all firstborn sons and firstborn animals in Egypt. But whoever was behind the blood the Bible says God's judgment passed over them and they were saved, subsequently set free from bondage and slavery at the hands of the Egyptians. You know, in verse 14, God tells the people that you must remember this day forever and each year celebrate it as a special festival to the Lord. You know, it is that Passover, the last Passover that Jesus would ever celebrate in his earthly life, and that he instituted the Lord's Supper with his disciples. You know, twice he says, do this in remembrance of me. It's worth taking notice today on the day, the day before remembrance, that Jesus' words regarding the cross and how we were never to forget this sacrifice. The Old Testament continually demonstrates our tendency as mankind to encounter the goodness and the mercy of God, to experience his blessings, and then in short order, turn away from God when times are, are getting good and when we find prosperity. You know, multiple instances throughout Deuteronomy, Moses warns the people of Israel not to forget the Lord when they enter the promised land. Take a look at Deuteronomy 6, 10 to 12. It says, And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you with great and good cities that you did not build, 
and houses full of good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full and take care lest you forget the Lord, who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. Interesting. The words there, lest you forget. You know, it's interesting here when I read about the cities that they were going to receive that they did not build and all the good things that they were going to have that they did not dig for and and, and do. It's like our generation today. All the things that we have because of the generations before us pioneered a new way. I've never paved a road. But I get to be the beneficiary, get to drive on paved roads every day. I never dug a well. But I know our family used a well for years and years and years before they had city water. Anybody who has family heritage, that of a family that, you know, came into this region and, and uh, you know, lived off the land, or if you have, are of uh, indigenous um, heritage and your family that lived off the land, there are people that, that made contributions that made Canada what it is today, that made our communities what they are today. And we get to live in cities that we did not build, get to drink water from wells we did not drill. We are generations, we are beneficiaries of the generation that came before us. They allowed the, laid the foundation for the nation that we now live in and the life that we now have here in Canada. And what a great cost and a burden that people took upon themselves so that we could have the freedom and the life that we have today. You know, we, we need to be careful not to forget God as well and the things that he's done in our life. Just as God told the Israelites, don't forget what I've done for you when times are good. We can't forget what God has done for us in our lives. In fact, we need to be reminded every day. You know, as Christians, God needs to be the center of everything we do. He needs to be our first and foremost. And when we, and I think this is why, this is, this is the point here, that when we fail to rightly honor the sacrifices of the past, we don't fully appreciate the freedom that we experience in the present. I'll say that one more time. When we fail to rightly honor the sacrifices of the past, we don't fully appreciate the freedom that we experience today in the present. You know, back in 1 Corinthians 11, the communion passage, I want to go back there for a moment. You know, Paul gives us three insights that I think are also important for us as we reflect on, on Remembrance Day and, and on what God has done for us. Number one is that there should be a view of looking backward. You know, Jesus tells us through the Lord's Supper that it's an act of remembrance. We do it in remembrance of him. We're remembering something that took place in the past. You know, we look back and we see what Jesus did on the cross. We reflect on that sacrifice and it humbles us and reminds us of the great cost for our freedom. Two, it says to look inward, that we, take, that we don't take it lightly. Christ died so that we could have freedom 
and new life. And when we reflect on it, and when we take communion as a church, we're reminded that it gives us freedom, not just, you know, today, but also tomorrow and the next day, that we have truly been set free. And number three, that we look into the future. You know, Paul concerning communion said that as far often, for as often as you eat and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You know, and we are to take that which God has done in the past, what he's doing today, and it should inform our future, how we live tomorrow, how we conduct ourselves in the world tomorrow, how we plan for tomorrow. And ultimately, all these three things, looking back, looking inward, and looking forward, help us to remind us to look up and to remember where our source and where our help comes from, that is from the Lord. Likewise, Remembrance Day allows us to reflect on the past, reminding us of why and how we have the Canada that we have today. You know, Canada is not perfect, but today we, we live, the average person in Canada lives far better than most people have lived in the entire history of the world. And we have opportunities that few in the world have ever had, and we shouldn't take that for granted. Remembrance Day honors those who have served and lost their lives. And it gives us perspective of the freedom that we now have today. It informs us about the legacy left from the generations past. And it prompts us to look inward and reflect on how this legacy of courage and standing up for freedom and for liberty will challenge our selfish and narcissistic tendencies today. In memory of the horrors of war, when we remember those things, as much as we can understand it from a distance, you know, it gives heed to our generation to pursue peace while still standing for truth and human dignity and freedom over tyranny, no matter where it should be. A better future is realized when we can learn from the lessons of the past to build a better future for the next generation to come. Today we remember that we are alive and we have the life that we have here in Canada because of men's and women's sacrifice throughout the years. We remember and honor our military, those who have served our nation in uniform, those who volunteered to serve in regiments of other nations in uniform around the world, and those who have been injured and killed serving our nation. Today we honor our veterans who have served and the men and women who are still serving today in the armed forces. And this morning I just want to conclude with the words of Jesus from John 15. It says, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Father, we just thank you this morning. God, I thank you, Lord, for the foundation of Canada, and Lord, I thank you, God, that we are moving forward, God, in the best way that we can and we know how. Lord, that we reflect on the legacy, God, of men and women who have served and died for our nation 
And God, we're just grateful, Lord, for the courage Lord, of, of our fathers and our mothers and our great-grandparents and their generation. Lord, the losses were many. The sacrifices were great. Lord, the effects of war affected more than just the individuals fighting, but their families and those who were left at home. And Lord, I just pray that we would have a right perspective. Lord, that we would honor as Canadians that legacy that we would remember. Lord, that we would support our veterans as a country. Lord, that we would honor them and our military members. And God, I pray, Lord, that we would not forget the past, that we would allow it to inform how we navigate our future. Lord, that we would be people who seek peace. Lord, that we would sow seeds of, of peace and righteousness in our nation. And Lord, that our nation would continue to be healed, become even greater. Lord, as we bow our knee to you and live according to your word. Lord, I just pray, God, that the stories of, of sacrifice, Lord, would just Go deep into our hearts today as we, as we go about our, our, the rest of our day. And God, that it would inform our tomorrow that, Lord, we would partake in the Remembrance Day ceremony, the Energy Center, or watch it at home even from our living rooms, some of our national Remembrance Day ceremonies. And God, that we would reflect and honor the great sacrifice of the past and remember and appreciate those who still sacrifice today for Canada. So Lord, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope that you've been blessed by this teaching from Cold Lake Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect.